0: At the death of King George VI in 1952, a newspaper in Los Angeles said the late King may find his niche in history as George the Good, or perhaps Britons will remember him as George the Steadfast. He was both. The baby that would someday be King was born in the early hours of the morning on the 14th of December 1895. The baby, Prince Albert Frederick Arthur George of York, was the second son of Prince George, the Duke of York. The baby prince was looked on as further security for the succession, though it seemed unlikely that the baby prince should ever take the place of his elder brother, Prince Edward, on the throne. That was all in the distant future. At the time of Prince Albert's birth, the reigning monarch was none other than his great-grandmother, Queen Victoria, who was a mere two years from being the first British monarch to have a diamond jubilee. The family that Prince Albert had been born into was atop a pyramid of power with the Queen above all others. At the time he was born, Britain had an empire that covered nearly a quarter of the world's land surface and had a quarter of the world's population. It was an empire that had never been seen before, or since, but inevitably, like all empires, the British Empire was destined to disintegrate in the reigns after Victoria, something that the little prince himself would see happen in his own reign. In the days when Prince Albert was young, many upper-class families, and especially royalty, employed nurses or governesses to look after their children, meaning that the children were completely at the mercy of their nurse. Unfortunately for Prince Edward and Prince Albert, one nurse they had was probably unstable due to the jealousy of the positions of her employers. Before Prince Edward was taken into the drawing room for tea with his parents, the nurse would twist his arm and pinch him until he cried, causing him to be taken back upstairs on his parents' orders. Prince Albert, on the other hand, was neglected and often given his bottle in the afternoons whilst out in a motor car. The ride was bumpy and may actually have led to the prince's stomach troubles later on. After three years of this, the nurse had a breakdown and their mother was horrified to find out the truth. By 1901, the Victorian age was over and the Edwardian had begun with the Prince of Wales, now King Edward VII. Unlike his gloomy late mother, the new king hated to be bored and had a passion for rich food, cigars and women. Interestingly, in spite of this, he didn't drink to excess. A few glasses of champagne with dinner and the occasional glass of brandy was enough for the king. He may have allowed the young princes Edward and Albert to play the game of sliding buttered fingers of bread, Down the stripes of his trousers. Two more siblings had joined Prince Edward and Prince Albert in the nursery by the time their grandfather's reign began, Princess Mary in 1897 and Prince Henry in 1900. Only two more would join later and both before the end of their grandfather's reign, Prince George in 1902 and Prince John in 1905. Once Edward VII took the throne, Prince Albert's father became the Prince of Wales. Early in 1901, a man came to be the tutor to Prince Edward and Prince Albert. The son of a Norfolk gentleman, Henry Peter Hansel, was aged 39 and had been educated at Magdalen College, Oxford, before becoming tutor to Prince Arthur of Connaught and later the two young princes. It seems that the young Prince Albert was terrible at mathematics, as Hansel wrote in July 1903, I really thought we had mastered division by three but division by two seems to be quite beyond him now. Princess Mary's own governess, a French woman by the name of Mademoiselle Dussault, became the sworn enemy of the princes. She forced them to speak French at the dinner table and would deliberately get them into trouble, causing them to be summoned to their father's study, known as the library. Prince George was not above putting the boys over his knee when they had behaved badly. It was in his early childhood that Prince Albert developed a stammer, the curing of which was the subject of the Colin Firth movie titled The King's Speech. Prince George was impatient when the young boy struggled with a word and would command him to get it out. The birthdays of his parents and grandparents must have seemed an absolute nightmare for Prince Albert. Each child had to memorise and recite poetry in front of the birthday person and their guests. It was surely bad enough for the stammering prince to recite complex classical English poetry. It was even worse as they got older. It was thought they should have progressed enough in French or German to recite poetry in either language. He was often relegated to the shadows. Prince Edward was popular with everyone as future heir to the throne and Princess Mary was the only girl and her father's favourite. Prince Albert was really noticed unless he misbehaved, something to which ignored children are prone in order to receive attention even if the attention is negative. From the age of about eight, Prince Albert was forced to wear a set of splints on his legs so that they would grow straight. He had to wear them for most of the day and all night. Indeed, his legs did grow straight, but the added humiliation of splints may not have done his self-esteem much good, considering he already had a stammer to contend with. In early November, King Edward, Queen Alexandra and the court would arrive at Sandringham a welcome diversion for the young boys, the clocks would be put forward half an hour. This was Sandringham time and was done so that the king could have as much time as possible during the day for shooting. Christmas would also be spent at Sandringham, the children would have to wait until last to open their presents in front of their families and guests. The candles on the Christmas tree, which would be around 25 or 27 feet tall, would shine and it would be decorated with tinsel and glass balls. In early 1907, Prince Edward left for the Royal Naval College, Osborne, to begin his first term there, whilst Prince Albert remained at York Cottage, Sandringham, to continue under the tutelage of Hansel. Two years later, on the 16th of January, Prince Albert himself went to Osborne. Hansel thought that Prince Albert, a scatterbrain, would need the discipline at Osborne. To say that Prince Albert was ill-equipped for life at Osborne is a slight understatement. He had lived a sheltered existence, rarely coming into contact with children who weren't his siblings, and so had very little idea of what other children were like. It seems that at first Prince Albert suffered from bullying because of his royal status. On at least one occasion he was found tied up in a hammock and left in a gangway calling for help. He was given the nickname Sardine, because of his small and fragile build. Despite both Prince Edward and Prince Albert's reassurances that Prince Albert was getting on fine, their father was not deceived and hoped the younger boy would settle in soon. Whilst his academic record continued badly, usually his name was to be found either at the bottom on examination list or very near it, he was remembered as being generally popular, which suggests that he overcame the bullying problem. On the 6th of May 1910, Prince Albert's grandfather, King Edward VII, died. Prince Albert had seen his grandfather not long before his death, attending the opera on the 27th of April, went to a private view at the Royal Academy on the 28th, and lunched with him on the 29th, the last time he ever saw him. Prince Albert realised before his other siblings what had happened. He woke Prince Edward with a cry. Look, the Royal Standard is at half-mast. They were told that their father wanted to see them downstairs. Their father who looked worn out told them that their grandfather was dead. Prince Edward told them they already knew because the royal standard was at half mast. At first their father didn't seem to understand what he had just been told and then upon realisation and a quick question for Prince Edward to repeat what he had said, their father said, but that's all wrong. He then muttered more to himself, the king is dead, long live the king. One of king george v's first orders as king was for a mass to be rigged to marlborough house to fly the royal standard silent crowds lined the route from buckingham palace to westminster hall for the dead king's funeral and prince albert walked behind his grandfather's coffin at his father's side perhaps it was at this point as he walked past hundreds perhaps thousands of people wishing to pay the respects to the dead monarch that Prince Albert realised how important the public image of the monarch was. At the age of 17, Prince Albert became a midshipman on HMS Collingwood. He slept in a hammock, like the other midshipmen, and taking part in all tasks. He was a son of the King, but he was treated like anybody else unless, of course, there were special occasions, and that meant he would be shoved into the limelight. For his 18th birthday in 1913, he received a cigarette case from his mother, and he spent his first Christmas away from home, on ship, but he was home by New Year's Eve. The year 1914 saw the outbreak of the First World War, or the Great War, as it was called then. However, when the Archduke Franz Ferdinand was assassinated in June, Nobody in Britain realised the effect that it would have. It was barely mentioned in the King's diary and Prince Albert did not write on it at all. HMS Collingwood was one of the ships that were sent to Scapa Flow to guard the northern entrance to the North Sea. On the 4th of August, the ultimatum that had been sent by Britain to the Germans had expired and all H.M. ships were instructed to commence hostilities against Germany. King George, hundreds of miles away from Scapa Flow, worried for his second son, and wrote in his diary, Please God, that I will soon be over, and that he will protect dear Bertie's life. During the war, Prince Albert suffered from gastric troubles, at one time being diagnosed with appendicitis he continued to suffer bouts of stomach trouble infrequently during the war leading him to rest at these times for fear of his health and he eventually transferred to the royal naval air service in 1917 however hms collingwood did cease the action whilst albert was on ship also during the first world war there was a serious anti-german feeling amongst the british people king george v considered himself british in spite of his more recent german ancestry although he did have English and Scottish ancestors amongst them, and was insulted when HG Wells called the court alien and uninspiring, a dig at the King, whose response was, I may be uninspiring, but I'll be damned if I'm an alien. It may have been this, amongst many other such insults and widespread feeling, that King George made the move to change the family name to Windsor. Eventually, the armistice was declared, and any experience that Albert had picked up during the years of war would be of use to him in the Second World War, although he did not know it then. After the war, he took great interest in visiting factories, mines, shipyards. The workings and processes intrigued him, and he was nicknamed the foreman by his brothers for it. In 1919, he began training to fly and passed his tests, though on medical grounds he was not allowed to fly solo. That same year he was sent to Trinity College in Cambridge for a year and Henry, his younger brother, was sent to accompany him. They were restricted in their freedom as the King worried about the company they might keep. One of the few friends they were allowed was their cousin, Lord Louis Mountbatten. The last decade and war saw the fall of monarchies. Austria, Germany, Russia and the shaking of the foundations of other countries. George V had refused asylum to his cousin, the Tsar Nicholas, and his family in 1917. It had been a decision that weighed heavily on George's conscience and distressed him greatly, but he was worried that if he accepted, it would cause a revolt by the British against his own rule. Prince Albert was not aware of it yet, but the next decade would be amongst the happiest years of his life.